everybody. This is Nan, and I'm here with Brian. Hello. And we are secretly timid talking about Mad Men. <laughs> it's catchy. <laughs> I know, right? We, like, <laughs> um, maybe we need Don Draper to come and come up with a title for our podcast for us. Yes, that would um, be, be good. So, and we're going to be talking about uh, season seven. Point five episode whatever uh seven <laughs> point five point one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and it's called severance and it's the first of the last i guess is this a block of seven episodes yes, yeah. okay so it's the first of the last seven episodes of mad men um and I have to say, like, when we were sitting down to watch the last episode, they were doing, like, the promos beforehand, and it was all, you know, a montage of things that have happened over the years and such. And I teared up. I teared up. Yeah. I almost cried. See, I didn't, since I wasn't watching it on TV, I just had mm. it on iTunes. I didn't get that. So all I got was, I, had, I went back and watched Waterloo. Ah, uh, yes. So... I watched that on the plane and then watched the new one. So, yeah, coming into this, like, <laughs> this whole time I've just been saying, I feel so nervous. And people are like, why are you nervous? And I'm like, I think I'm afraid I'm going to die before it's all over. <laughs> and, like, that sounds like the worst. That's just the, the one thing. I guess my one goal in life at this point is to live until at least Mad Men is over. Yeah. Um, so, here, fingers crossed. Yeah, although, you know, you wouldn't know. I mean, true. <laughs> you know, if there's a heaven, maybe I'd get to watch it anyway. I don't know. You know? <laughs> maybe. Maybe they have <laughs> Mad Men in heaven. <laughs> I, I mean, if TV doesn't have heavens, then, I mean, if heaven doesn't have TVs, <laughs> then I don't even want to go there, right? Yeah. Um. All right, let's just get into the episode then. All right, so it starts off with... Uh, there's a lot of uh, fur and models. <laughs> Facial fur, also. <laughs> yes. Um, Roger has a has a mustache. <laughs> well, and so when I watched it the second time, like one thing that suddenly stood out to me um, was that as the show, like I suddenly realized that as the show has gone on through the years, they use they use especially man hair to indicate sort of like where we are, you know, time wise. Right. Um, so they have, you know, in this episode, Roger walks in and he's got that um, ungodly mustache. And um, the Dallas Observer, I think, was the one that called the, like, referred to Ted Shaw's mustache as the Yosemite Sam mustache. <laughs> um, but Don's hair always retains that Donness. Like, it, it never really it's, changes. It never, it it's never firmly. Updates. It's firmly in 1958. Yeah, it's like Don's hair and it never changes. And it just suddenly dawned on me that like even Don's fucking hairdo never <laughs> changes, right? Yeah. So, that was just something that stood out to me about the the facial the the hair situation. Hmm. But yeah. So what can, what year do you ahead. think it is? Huh? What year do you think it is? Well, I mean, uh I read Tom and Lorenzo's recap and they said it's 1970. So it's like, that's what I thought too. Yeah. Um, and, 
I wasn't a hundred percent sure when watching it. Um, but when I got home, I started looking up stuff like about, you know, cause they showed Nixon talking about right. the war and things. So yeah. they had definitely some markers in there to show you where, when it was, but being about, you know, being the American that I am, I can't just uh, pick up on those cues immediately. So yeah, well, Nixon became president in '69, right? So it, it sounded like he had been making speeches for a while about Vietnam. So that's why I figured it's probably '70. Yeah. So we, they, the show will not live to see my birth in 1972. Aww. Yeah, I, I. Uh, Mad Men did not cross paths with me. <laughs> Baby Brian's not going to show up in the Mad Men universe. No, I, I had hoped. <laughs> um, but I think it's cool. It's in the seventies, just because, like, I don't know. I'm a I, I'm a fan of the seventies in sort of this really super weird way. So yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, so we kick off with a scene, and they're doing casting for. Uh, furs. Is it Mickel- Mickelson? Is that what he called? called Wilkinson? Him? Wilkinson. Wilkinson yeah. Smooth. Right. And uh, it's, you know, I, I think it's kind of obvious to point out, like, I mean, my first thought was like, oh, Don started his career selling furs in a fur shop, and that's where Roger discovered him, and then right. now he's casting for a fur advertising campaign, you know? Yeah. So that's that's kind of full circle. Um, and then he has the vision of uh, um, damn it now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Rachel. Rachel. Rachel Minkin Katz. Um, and then finds out that she's died, but mm-hmm. he first has a vision of her as one of the girls. And for, <laughs> I like how Ted announces her. It's a, it's another girl, or it's a girl. <laughs> <What is> it? <laughs> yeah, and that kind of does stand out, right? Like um, that kind of is a theme in Don's life. Oh, it's another girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had, and he has a. There's a scene where he and Roger have been out on the town, and they have three women. Mm-hmm. with them and then he sees another woman who he thinks he knows the, the waitress right and um it's funny because when he said you look familiar to me like i had this sense that she looked familiar to me and i mean i've seen the actress before yeah um but i feel like they purposely pick someone she to me she looks like and i can't remember her name but the artist that Don was sleeping with way back in season one and who shows up again. Um, yes. So uh, to me, the waitress kind of like um, had a little bit of a likeness to her. Yeah. And I think like, I feel like they kind of tried to, they tried really hard to pick an actress who might even look familiar to the audience in some way, you know? So, right. Because I had that same sense. You well, know? I mean, she's, that's sort of the same kind of, look that um, Rachel had and mm-hmm. sort of similar to Linda Cardellini and you know they're all they're all sort of similar with the dark hair and the I don't know just sort of 
unremarkable beauty, I guess. You know, they're not they're not the the blonde bombshell that right. he was out at dinner with. Right. Um and it feels and like watching that scene the second time around cuz I always watch the show at least twice before doing this. Mm-hmm. Um but uh watching it the second time around I feel like Don, this is a regular recurring theme for Don as well, like having these moments of nostalgia right. um, and have like deja vu type, you know, things where he feels like he's seen this before, which is mm-hmm. also a callback to the theme of the show, which is often like how things don't really change, you right. know? So there's this, this running theme of like, he's kind of constantly having these, blips of nostalgia like I think I've seen this before I think I've you know I think I know you you remind me of something from my past you know kind of thing right um and so that felt really strong in that scene yeah and I like I liked the the song kind of went along with that as well the 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 played at the beginning and the end Mm -hmm. of the show is is this all there is Yeah, I don't think any song more perfectly encapsulates everything that Mad Men is about. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and that song is really dark. Yeah, like, if you listen to, the, you know, the whole thing at the end, she's like, people basically probably wonder why I don't just kill myself, you know? And I <laughs> I mean, that kind of fits with, with the feeling of the show as well. It's sort of like this constant, everybody's working really hard, but kind of getting nowhere in the end, you know? Right. And, and it sort of like reinforces that question, right? Like why even bother yeah. with life if this is all that there is, you know? Because, because sometimes you get to be the client because you get the job at Dow Chemical and you get to be a pain in the ass to so, people yes. that have shit on you. <laughs> Ken continues to be the golden boy. Like, he's too nice for advertising, but somehow he always comes out on top in the end. Yes, and he did this time, for sure. (laughs) That that grin on his face was just perfect. (laughs) As he's telling them that he gets to be the client now. Yeah, it was funny, because... So one of the things, whenever he and his wife were, you know, hanging out with the father-in-law and the mother-in-law, and uh, and the father-in-law is, like, giving a rundown of who is working in which departments, and he says something about, pla- like, so-and-so became head of plastics, and I just mm-hmm. turned to Sean, and I was like, plastics! Because <laughs> it felt like such a reference to the graduate. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh so yeah, um, and it was really funny too. So like to skip to the Ken storyline, um, one of the things that struck me was when Don comes back to the office and Ken has been fired and he's sitting in the phone booth, mm-hmm. and he says, "It's a sign." And the look on Don's face of just utter confusion, like he can't even <laughs> comprehend what a sign, like a sign, like a sign. What? Yeah. What's a sign? You know, like. <laughs> Just the complete hit that's so far removed from his worldview. Yeah. That like he just seems baffled by even the concept of this idea that there's a cosmic, you know, thread weaving all this stuff together and yeah. possibly leading Ken in a certain direction. 
Although we find out at the end that Don's kind of right because Ken doesn't end up going that direction, you know? No. Decides to pull the, uh, pull a little switcheroo. <laughs> and then there was the, the Peggy and Joan. Um, oh, they had yeah. the pitch meeting and Peggy was basically ignored while Joan was sexualized. And it led to a really interesting dynamic in their elevator ride mm-hmm. when Joan is basically, she's kind of being an asshole <laughs> saying basically that Peggy doesn't understand what it's like to be mistreated because she's mistreated in a different way. But I don't think Joan understands that Peggy is also mistreated. Yeah, it's funny, though, because I see this a lot, like, in comments I've seen, like, in the last couple of days on uh, the Internet, is that people are often very quick to point out that Joan's kind of an asshole, but kind of give Peggy a pass. And I think Peggy's an asshole, too. Like, Yeah, and, she's definitely mem- trying to minimize it, I, I think, in a way. Yeah, and she also, like, buys in, I think... So they've clearly been pitted against each other by the world, right? right? And so really the world is the asshole. Yeah. And they're just playing their separate roles in that. Um, and Peggy, you know, because she's not the Joan, has has bought into, in some ways, that idea that even she doesn't take Joan seriously because of right. her looks, right. right? So, I mean... They were both shitty to each other, but the real culprit in all of that is the patriarchy, right? Right. (laughs) Yes. And when Joan said, I want to burn this place down, I was like, oh, hell to the yes, sister. (laughs) Like, this is the Joan that I love is when, because the one thing that Joan does do is she doesn't, she doesn't just take it, you know? Yeah. Like, she is a little shitty to those guys, like as shitty as she can be while still moving the situation forward, but she doesn't. Peggy, it's like bad things are happening in the room and Peggy is just sort of trying to bop along and be like, yeah. yes, but if you read the numbers, like it, just completely acting oblivious to what's happening. Yeah, Joan think, will at least be like, what do you mean by that? You know, and yeah. kind of give it back to people. And I, you know, I think that speaks to to the, their different situations too. Peggy has, has probably had to do that in order to advance in her career. Whereas, you know, a lot of Joan's advancement has been because of her looks. Um, at least that's what we're led to believe at the beginning of the series. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what she basically says at the beginning of the series. Um, so I think, I think Peggy's sort of like uh, just ignoring the situation and trying to make the best of it, it w- is part of her character. Right, she even says, would you rather have a friendly no than right. this crappy yes, yeah. you know, that they gave us. Um, and it's interesting, too, because Joan, Joan is very, is an extremely capable and smart person. Like, she's constantly reading situations properly and responding properly to problems that clients are facing. Right. Um so she's proven herself over and over again as being extremely capable, but the conversation always comes back to getting here because of her looks, right? But yeah. the, but in some ways, 
she also put in the work, you know? So it's no, interesting absolutely. how like the theme, like one of the underlying themes of the show is just that like, no matter what Joan does, no one will ever really take her seriously. And it's literally just because of how she looks because Peggy says like, if you didn't dress that way and really Joan doesn't dress any kind of way. She just right, sort of has would... a body that you can't hide. Right. right? Yeah, absolutely. What do I, how do I dress? <laughs> <laughs> Right. She even says, like, well, what you're saying is I don't dress like you because I don't look like you, you know? Yeah, right. And basically it's just like where our outfits aren't really that different. It's that our bodies are super different. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, what did you make of the scene where she goes to buy dresses after that? So that's what I... One of the things, like, when Sean and I were driving home from watching it at Angelica, one of the things that I thought about was just, like, you know, Joan going shopping and this this idea of her being sort of like, sometimes she's portrayed a little bit as like maybe money hungry, but underneath all that, there's a running theme always from the very beginning of her seeking security. So mm -hmm. in the beginning, you know, she was always expressing like the hunt for a husband, right? And, right. and that she was going to use her looks in that way to get security by marrying this doctor. It was always a big deal that her husband was going to be a doctor and all this stuff. And that proved to be, it didn't work out, but she's found security in her career. And so I think like the way that I read the shopping scene was that these, like she kind of hit a wall where no one was going to take her seriously. So fuck it. Why not just go and try to be as pretty as possible and enjoy those looks? You know, if yeah. people are just going to treat me like shit because I look a certain way, I might as well just dive in and enjoy it, you know, and kind of like, I'm not saying she's giving up for good, but just in that moment, like just sort of saying, fuck it, you know, I give up. I'm going to quit pushing back against this thing for right now and just go. And like Peggy said, I do have all this money. So why not just, you know, ignore that problem and go and enjoy this thing that's available to me, you know? Yeah. Um, mm. What did you think? I wasn't really sure what to make of it. Uh, I, because, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of got the feeling too that she was, she was not giving in, but playing into the things that people thought about her, but I wasn't really sure what her motivation was. Did she just want, I mean, to go buy stuff or was she, or is it part of a plan to, I mean, cause Surely she's not going to wear that dress to the office. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe she will. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thinking about the way that she walked out. Like that guy called her and she was like, no, tell him I'm in a meeting. And then she flounced out with this like really super confident walk. Right. It could be too in that moment that it just felt like a fuck you to those guys. Like you were just three lower level cogs at McCann and I cannot take your call and I can go spend a bunch of my money on clothes. Yeah. You know? And just in that moment, like feeling that level of power where it's just like, I don't even have to deal with you. And Oh, I have all this money and you don't. So, you know, and like that might've just felt really good in that moment for her to be yes. able to do that and basically remind herself that she's kind of above these guys at the end of the day, you know? Right. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Um, let's see my, um, some more notes. Oh, <laughs> 
the guys from Topaz calling Harry Mr. Potato Head. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, Harry can't get no respect. So that's another thing that never changes is that Harry can't ever get any respect, nor does he deserve it necessarily. <laughs> right, but right. he's kind of like the dude Joan now that I think about it. Like he's working so hard and trying so hard and he does seem to know what he's talking about when it comes to media. I mean, he's put in the work to find, you know, to learn that stuff. Right. Um, but people just don't, they don't respect him for a different set of reasons. I mean, he's just kind of not at all charming and he's not very likable. Yeah. And he's always wearing that like desire to be liked, like right on his sleeve. Um, and people don't typically respond that to that very well, you know? Yeah. And well, and also he, he's good at his job in some ways, but he's bad at it in others. Yes. Um, yeah, he just doesn't know. He he thinks he can he can operate on the same level as the other guys and girls there, but he doesn't really because right. he doesn't have any kind of charisma at all, and he doesn't make good decisions, <laughs> like <laughs> like holding out for a a better deal in the partnership. I'll take the deal. That was so it's hilarious. <laughs> And Roger yeah. took such glee in telling him, like, too late. <laughs> None of your beeswax. I love Roger. Beeswax. <laughs> um, Doo-ba-doo-ba-doo. Um, he had no Betty. No Betty, no, no, no Megan. No um, oh, I was like, did they have Pop-Tarts in 1970? <laughs> I learned something new, okay? Because I totally thought Pop-Tarts were probably invented in the 90s. Like, I had no idea. He was so proud that he cooked for himself. <laughs> Very good. Well, I, I made a, what was it called? Pop-Tart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we talked about all that. So going back, we touched on the, the waitress a little bit, but that was just such a bizarre exchange. The three scenes with her were just so bizarre. Yeah. I wasn't really a hundred percent on board with what, with that arc. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Watching it the second time, I got it a little bit more, but at the same time, I just thought, I don't know, there's a level at which, I mean, someone on something else that I listened to, you know, basically said she's a sex worker. I mean, I guess maybe in her time outside of being a server, she might also be a prostitute, and that's why she immediately just did that. Right. Um, but it was hard for me to really tap into like how all that went down that way. Yeah. Well, and it sort of made me wonder if maybe that's how he knew her. Like she was a pro. Yeah. Because he's maybe I mean, he has he he's been with prostitutes on the show, um, but also there's obviously a subtext that they take clients to prostitutes a lot and. You know, maybe that's where he knew her, knew her from. Uh, yeah, that's possible. I hadn't really thought about that, but I could see that being the case. Um, and obviously, like, 
there's just a running theme of prostitutes all through the show um and how that kind of like possibly is even a mirror of advertising you know um the one thing about those scenes when i watched it the second time around that did strike me was like Don goes back to the diner and he appears to be wanting something other than sex, right? He appears right. to be wanting to go there to connect with this person who is ha- making him have a strong nostalgia feeling, which is an emotion, you know, that can, can kind of feel comforting and good, you know, like it's like wanting to crawl into your mother's arms, right? And, right. and experience that comfort of the past. and Like um, in that, that children's book, that Love You Forever. I don't know that one. <laughs> you don't know that one. <laughs> oh, it's creepy. Oh, good. It's I'll have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, everybody poops. Is that what we're talking no, about? No, no, the other one. Um, every or like, uh, there's a children's book. Uh, it's like it's like a you know a picture of a dinosaur, and it says all my friends died, and then it's a picture of like you know it goes to all these different characters, and it just says all my friends died. Um. But yeah, so he goes there like wanting something other than sex and kind of like wanders aimlessly through this sex scene, you know, it's, he doesn't make it happen. It just sort of like he follows her outside. Right. It just sort of happens mechanically. And then afterwards he's like, you know, she's, when he comes back again, you know, she's like, you got what you wanted. And he's like, uh, and she's like, I don't know what you think this is, but I just work here, you know, next time come in with a girlfriend. And he's like, I just want to sit here. It's mm-hmm. like, he just wants to feel close to her. Right. But there's st- like, no matter how, like he wants that, but at the end of the day, it still ends up being like so many other transactions for him. There was money exchanged for sex in a way. Right. And the sex is very transactional. And that connection isn't happening, you know? Yeah. Um, And another thing that I picked up on like the second time around was like when he tells her that somebody died and he, like he says, I had a dream about someone. And then I found out the next day that she died. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and even though he had kind of been like, when Ken had a sign, he like couldn't comprehend it right Mm -hmm. like he's obviously treating this as like a sign and she says you know um think about i want you to think about when you really had that dream and when she really died um and it's possible that you were dreaming about her regularly all the time but you just think you only dreamed about her this one time because it makes it seem meaningful in the context of her death right and it makes her death seem meaningful and um and so there's this theme also through the this episode of signs, right? And mm-hmm. like, what does all this mean? Which goes back to the song. Is that all there is? What does all this mean? You know, like, um, but I thought that was really interesting because I think that that's just really true for people, right? Like, yeah. it's tempting to say this thing happened and then this thing happened and it stood out to me because the two things seemed so oddly connected when in fact the, you know, one of those things might've been happening all the time. It just didn't seem meaningful until it did. Right. Right. Well, it's sort of the same thing as, you know, you hear a word and then suddenly you hear the word all over everywhere Mm -hmm. for the next few days or whatever. But it's probably just that the, you never noticed it before, but some, for some reason now it's, it's uh, sticking out to you. Right. 
So, I mean, I think the waitress exchange ended up, I don't know, the second time around it grew on me, but I still was kind of watching it as it was starting, like, as that arc was starting to happen and kind of wondering, like, I mean, I couldn't really pick up on why Roger was being so mean to her, except for maybe just to entertain the other two women Mm -hmm. at the table. I'm, you know, I just, a lot of stuff about it felt kind of like, I don't know. It just stood out as not necessarily just flowing along with the episode right. um, for me. And then there was a scene where he goes to um, the uh, Rachel's house mm-hmm. and where they're in mourning. And that was, that was really hard to watch, too, because it was just like he's obviously gone to this place that he doesn't belong. And when she tells him, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> Uh, the clearly look on Rachel his... has talked to talked to her about him. Yeah, the look on his face when she says that it's like the most little tiniest change, but he looks so just stricken, you know, yeah. like oh no, I've been exposed, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then when he says that he got divorced and remarried, she's like, "You left your wife for her," <laughs> which basically <laughs> leads me to th- right. uh, think that that's what Rachel had talk to her about is that he was going to leave his wife and for Rachel. Right. Even though I don't know that that was ever in his mind. I can't remember now if they talked about that. Yeah. I don't remember whether or not they did either, but I mean, that's a really common, um, I think dynamic, right. Right. Like those kinds of relationships. Yeah. Um, and there's always like, I think there's definitely always hurt feelings if like, if I was, you know, the mistress and then he left his wife for the next woman, I would definitely be like, well, you know, what's wrong with me? Even though she'd gone on to be married and had kids and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And that, but that was, you know, you're talking about the nostalgia. That was him, again, trying to to find a feeling in the past and, it, and coming up short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like he went there looking for something and it was very obvious that it was not going to, it wasn't going to, he wasn't going to find it, you know. Right. Um, oh, and Peggy went on a date. Right, with Brian Krakow. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that really the actor that played Brian Krakow? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that, he, <laughs> like, no, because as soon as you said it, I was like, wait. That totally makes sense because that looks like him. He grew up to be cute. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And not as you know, pitiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so that was that was good. That was a fun scene. Yeah, it was so it's always so adorable. At you know, at some point she's like, What else did Mathis say? And he tells her these really nice things that Mathis said about her. And the way her face gets whenever anybody says anything nice about her. Because she's just so used to, like, fighting everyone all the time. Yeah. And, like, and feeling like she has to fight her way through the world that she, I think, never expects anybody to say nice things about her. Um, And so when it happens. You know, she hasn't had the greatest relationship with her underlings. Right. So for her to hear that he actually respects her. Yeah, totally. 
it's uh she turns into this like she gets so mushy and like kind of like you know um kind of glowy and silly so it's really cute yeah um but yeah it was so interesting to me how like as soon as the wine got flowing i think you know and then by the end of the um date she's pretty sauced Mm -hmm. She's totally going to go to Paris and then she can't find her passport. And then she's like, I feel like this could be something more. And, and then it was funny because like the next day she's nursing a hangover and she's like, basically like, that was so stupid, you know, right. and I'm not going to go to Paris. And Stan's like, but I think it, you get to know him. It sounds like fun. You know, yeah. like Peggy just can't ever really loosen up. And right. Just, well, and, and it's the thing that she says is I embarrassed myself. Mm hmm. Not not that he did anything wrong or that, right? Um, but just that she feels like she made a fool of herself. Yeah, even though he seemed totally into it, right? Like he yeah. was digging it. He Absolutely. was totally digging it. So um, yeah, she's very she's so controlled, and she just yeah. can't she just can't loosen up. And then when she has a few cocktails and loosens up and lets everything out and just you know is out there being vulnerable, then yeah, the next day she feels really probably ashamed of yeah. herself and and you know anxious about about that she hasn't had a vacation ever oh my gosh <laughs> peggy our little workaholic <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what do you think uh what do you think the season holds the rest of the season holds i think dawn's going to die do you? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I said that to Sean jokingly. Like, wouldn't it be funny if he died in, like, the second episode or something? <laughs> like, like Nate in the last season of uh, Six Feet Under. <laughs> and then I read Dom and Lorenzo's recap. And, like, I can't remember if they referenced it at all in their recap. But, like, a lot of people, a lot of people in the comments all thought, like, he's going to die. And they were, like pointing out all these things they saw as foreshadowing in this episode. Like when she spills the red wine on the carpet, I guess mm. like it's like blood, you know, or something. Yeah. I mean, some of this stuff I was just like, you're stretch. It's a stretch, right? Well, they concocted that whole thing about Megan before as well. Right. So, I mean, who knows on that one I did. Oh, and that was one thing. Like I totally the it was, um, it stood out to me. That, you know, her spilling that red wine on Megan's white carpets. Those were Megan's white carpets. There was even a, a conversation at some point about those white carpets when they, you know, during the season when they had first moved into that apartment. Mm -hmm. And how, um, I think after that party, it was like, you know, she was like, uh, this is what I get for having white carpets. But they're so beautiful, you know. So yeah. she really loved those white carpets. And now there's just this stewardess in her house, like, fucking up her white carpets, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I with this show, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I don't really feel like making a prediction because it's just, I for me, it's so just interesting to be along for the ride, right? Because yeah. like you never know um, what's going to happen. And there's, they put so much, like, they put so many things in the episodes that could or could not be signs, could or could not mean anything, you know, probably seem like they mean something and mean nothing. And mm -hmm. so it'd be hard to follow those things and try to figure out what's going to happen next. Yeah. And they, I mean, I can't really think of an example of where they've 
left little clues like that that led right. to something big, like a death. Right. Like maybe a little bit with Lane. I mean, you certainly they certainly led him down that path, and you right. can, in retrospect, you can definitely see it. But as far as there being signs that he was going to eventually kill himself, they they didn't really foreshadow that. I don't think. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. It'll be. In, I'm just curious. I don't really have any. I don't really have any predictions. Yeah. They uh they released on iTunes um if you you know if you buy the season pass they have all these extras and one of them was uh a celebrity tribute to Mad Men so it was they just interviewed a bunch of different celebrities and um like several people were talking about the emptiness <laughs> that it was going to leave <laughs> for them <laughs> when it's over yeah I just can't believe. Like, I just can't believe it's going to be gone. You know, yeah. I mean, I think it's totally time. I'm not like, no, it has to keep going. Because I think, you know, at some point, all great works like this have like an end. Right. But it's sure. going to be it's going to be hard. Yeah. Don't get to keep uh, following these characters anymore. So I'm just going to obsessively rewatch. <laughs> the whole thing from beginning to end over and over and over again. Well, it holds up. <laughs> it does. <laughs> you don't, I mean, you don't find yourself saying, oh, it's so dated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you have anything else to say? Uh, no, I think that, that we covered everything that I had thought of. Yep, I think that we did. I think we covered everything. All right, and it didn't take a whole hour. Cool beans. <laughs> um, all right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. And um, we'll be back next week to talk about, you know, whatever happens then. And there will also be a new Sacredly Timid on Sunday. Ah. Because we recorded two. Crazy. I know. I won't be on it though. No, just it'll so still you know. just be me and John. So, did y'all talk about me? No, While I wasn't we, there. I don't think we did. <laughs> we cool, didn't so mention your vag status or anything. <laughs> the weekly update. Um, all, right. all right. Well, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.